Happy Memorial Day, everybody. And for some reason, the games yesterday all seem to end 11 to 10. You are locked on MLB. Your daily MLB podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello, baseball fans, and welcome to Locked On MLB, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. This is the daily podcast. We talk about all of Major League Baseball. I am your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. As you can tell by my lower third, feel free to call me Sully on today's episode, which is being dropped on the 29th day of May, 2023. Happy Memorial Day, everybody. We are going to be talking about some of the games that took place during uh during what was it Sunday thank you during Sunday and we're also going to be talking a little bit with Ryan Finkelstein the host of the Locked On Mets podcast this show is by the way brought to you by bird dogs this is a bird dog episode and please please try on the bird dog shorts they feel fantastic hey follow us at Locked On MLB Pods on Twitter and Instagram I'm your pal Sully. As you can tell by my lower third, uh, you can call me Sully. I'm at Sully Baseball on Twitter, Sully Baseball Podcast on Instagram. Yeah, so Ryan Finkelstein, we're going to be here in segments two and three. We're going to talk a little bit about the Mets. Then they had the second 11 to 10 game of the day. Um, it was just a weird back and forth course field game. The the uh, I talked about in the previous episode with Ulysses Sombrano about the 11 10 Rays. Dodgers game, the Yankees looked like they were going to have an eleven to ten game as well. It was ten to seven was the final score. Yeah, that's a slugfest. It was started by Garrett Cole and Hugh Darvish. There's something off with Hugh Darvish. Look at Garrett Cole. He, you know, he pitched well. You know, he got he got off to a slow start, and then he, you know, he did okay. It's what an ace is supposed to do. You're going to win some games that you don't have your top stuff on, but. Man, the Padres have fallen now. They're five games under 500. And it's no longer that early. You got to figure something out pretty fast. Um, the Guardians came back from behind. They scored a couple and uh, had a walk off hit as they are inching a little bit closer to first place, especially with the Minnesota Twins losing to the Baltimore Orioles. The final score of the Guardians and the Cardinals game was four to three and the Blue Jays behind Jose Barrios blanked the twins. Jose Barrios blanked his former team three, nothing. Um, there was a, an interesting game. The White Sox had a wild rally in the seventh inning uh, to, to come back to tiny Aloy Jimenez had a big two run double, but then the Tigers tied the game in the bottom of the ninth, and then won it on a walk-off. Um, Eric, ha- is it Haas? Haas? Forgive me. Walk, uh, sacrifice fly. There was an amazing catch by Riley Green to rob a home run earlier in the game. The Tigers are now one game under 500, and they have now creeped to within one game of first place in the American League East. So things are getting a little bit interesting. Also, you know, with the Rangers' loss, and the Astros just again manhandled Oakland, 
were just you know sinking faster than a rock. That was a 10 to one final. And oddly, the game didn't seem that close. Uh, with that, the Astros have pulled within two games of first place Texas. I still think Houston's going to overtake him. Come at me, Ranger fans. And the Marlins blanked the Angels. And with that, the Marlins are now above 500 and they're chip chipping away. And look at, do I think they're going to catch the Braves? No, but remember, I picked them to be a wildcard team. And here we are. Um, I got to address something here. I had a, a trivia question that uh, I was saying was unanswered. And it turns out that I missed someone giving the correct answer. So let me get there. Their name is here. Forgive me. I forgot. I, I was supposed to write down the name, um, but it was uh, Craig Brindle. Craig Brindle on YouTube posted that the first or that the only current Hall of Famer to lead the league in home runs in his rookie year was Ralph Kiner, eventual Mets uh, announcer for years and years. Ralph Kiner did it with the Pittsburgh Pirates. So uh, Craig Brindle, I'm sorry I didn't catch you doing didn't catch you giving the correct answer before. You did indeed get the correct answer. Um, and my bad, I I missed it. Uh, there was a couple other people who guessed correctly, but lo and behold, I missed Craig Brindle, and he posted that on the YouTube channel. So we're gonna have a trivia question at the end of today's show. So listen all the way to the end to catch that. Meanwhile, well, let me just tell you something. Uh, we have the, this is an amazing time to be a sports fan, uh, especially, you know, if you're, there's so many, there's so many amazing games going on right now. And as a native New Englander, I got to say, I know this isn't a basketball podcast, but I'm a little excited for the game that's going on tonight between Boston and Miami. Winner goes to the NBA finals. The Celtics won that game the other day with a tip-in with, was it two-tenths of a second, one-tenth of a second? Whatever it was, it was a sliver of time. And what were the odds on that? I don't know. But if you're going to be throwing out any bets, let me tell you something. You should use FanDuel. FanDuel is the official betting partner of the NBA and is our sponsor here today. Let me tell you something. If you're going to be making the bets during the NBA playoffs, Use FanDuel to get a no-sweat first bet up to $2,500. That's $2,500 back in bonus bet if your first bet doesn't win. You can use FanDuel. Download the app. It's a safe and secure app. You don't have to worry. There's some shady betting places to go online. Not FanDuel. Great promotions every day. You get paid instantly. There's no better place to place a bet for all the playoff action, whether it's NBA or Stanley Cup Final, it's America's number one sports book. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. You get a no-sweat first bet up to $2,500. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel is the official sports betting partner of the NBA. All right, as promised, we have from Locked on Mets, we have Ryan Finkelstein here. We've got to give the people what they want. And people love the blockbuster, the 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 influencer, 
known as Ryan Finkelstein, back for, for the first time during the regular season this year. Yep. I'm trying to get every single host to appear at least once this year so I can check you up. But I have a feeling we're going to have you on more than once because we're it's going to be an, an interesting Met year. How are you doing, buddy? Pretty good. Pretty good. And glad you're calling me now instead of like two weeks ago. I feel a little bit better than I was back then. So things are trending in the right direction, I'd say. Yeah, Not the Mets the are there, weird. But... The Mets yeah. are weird. They're a weird team. Um, as we're recording this, they're even 500. This, I'll tell you, this is a, what a weird day today is. Uh, because I recorded with Ulysses the episode where we talked about the Dodger-Rays game. The final score of that game was 11 to 10. The final score of this game was 11 to 10. But this one is a more, I think you expect an 11 to 10 game in course yeah. field. You don't necessarily expect 11 to 10 in the trop between the Rays and the uh, and LA Dodgers. But uh, yeah, this was, this was a weird game, but baseball is always weird in course. You kind of always have to hang a little bit of an asterisk next to any course game. Absolutely. And I kind of, I penciled this one in as the, the, obviously, you know, there could be many and there was kind of two in a row. Um, But going into this series, you had Scherzer and Verlander starting the first two, Tyler McGill starting this one. I kind of thought it would be a slugfest, especially when you get into the middle relievers that early into the game. And yeah, I mean, just a lot of runs and cores. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, this is weird. I always kind of feel like I look at this game, McGill pitched, I think he he was four innings, and then there was a parade of relievers. I had to see if you pitched. <laughs> um, but it just turned into one of those course games where you're like, going, okay, yeah. And and even at the end, they scored like three or four runs in the ninth to almost catch them. And, yeah. you know, it was funny. Cause I knew you would be on. You're, you were going to be on today. When they pulled within one, I felt like, oh, we got Ryan on a wild comeback day. <laughs> but, uh, alas, uh, it wasn't true. So we're here right now. It's It's – they're going to go into Memorial Day, and as far as I can see, they have Memorial Day off, which I think should be against the law. Yeah. I mean, how do you have Memorial Day off in baseball? That makes no sense to me whatsoever. That should be – every team should be playing a doubleheader on Memorial Day, but I digress. Um, so you're going to go into basically the second third of the season, you know, even. But l- let's just let's just talk a little bit about, you know – what do you think about the team and, and how they and how they performed uh, today in or this weekend in Colorado? Well, I think the bats are coming alive again. That could be a chorus thing. But uh, I liked seeing Mark Vientos in the lineup the last couple of days. That's been good. Francisco Alvarez batting second today was really exciting for me. Mm-hmm. He's been in the nine hole. And I think he is uh, at this point kind of the, the best takeaway of the season so far to see the Mets have a catcher that. Really, I mean, looks like one of the best in baseball already. So that's been really big. And, and Max Scherzer was really good in the first game. So uh, overall takeaways from the series is, you know, Scherzer now three good starts in a row. Lineup starting to click a little bit. And then, you know, you had Justin Verlander get knocked around one game, McGill, but maybe just chalked it up to course. And I, I think the biggest thing that I've noticed this series, just the last couple series is, you know, this team certainly has that life back in them. Even when they lose a series, they were in each of these games. You know, they, they mounted a comeback on Saturday. They kind of blew it today and then started coming back as well. So uh, I think that this is a team that certainly feels like they're in the hunt a lot more than they were a couple weeks ago. Yeah, I mean, they. it's strange because they're even 500, which I think that when they put this team together, people had images of a 100-win season. But 
it's weird. It's when you win those games because a yeah. couple of weeks ago, uh, the Mets were slipping into Padre land. Yeah. And the Padres are, you know, as at least as of this recording, the single biggest disappointment of this season. And, you know, the, the moment when Scherzer looked like he was, when Scherzer was hurt at one point uh, in, in earlier this month, I really, my, you know, my heart sank because I'm thinking like, you know, when pitchers are in their forties and they yeah. get hurt, you know, they, they, they tend to stay down, you know, they tends to, it tends to be a, a it tends to be a moment where you're, uh, you're, you're not coming back from that one. Yeah. And so uh, that, that was, uh, you know, that was kind of, that was kind of rough, but the fact that he came back, you know, that sort of gives at least the Mets a glimmer of hope that they're going to come through, um, you know, and so they're going to be, who are they going to be playing? I mean, they're not playing on, on, on Tuesday, they're starting their series against the Phillies and they're back in town. Um, and we're going to see what Senga is going to be all about. What, what's your take on Senga so far? Because he was the great sort of question mark of this team going into this year. Yeah. Um, what, what are your thoughts about him so far? You know, it's it's interesting because you know the one thing that we've seen it says ghost fork is as advertised. It's a great pitch. Guys are not squaring it up at all. He's striking out a lot of batters on it, but he's also walking like three, four batters per start. And it just feels like at times he's a little tentative, and it's like he's just you know not comfortable. He looks every bit a, a rookie, which I think when you get a guy of his age coming over and his experience, maybe you weren't really expecting that. I think the stuff is good. The fastball has been pretty solid and, and that goes for it is good, but at times he's not attacking hitters. And I just wonder if he's going to kind of continue to nibble throughout the year and be a guy that is striking out eight and walking five most starts, or if at some point he's going to trust his stuff a little bit more. Uh, I've been kind of mixed on him. I, I think the stuff is good, but I don't know if there's a frontline starter there. We've seen glimpses of it, um, but I, I think maybe this is a guy that, will take a little bit to adjust and maybe the best of Kodai Senga is coming in, you know, year two or year three of this contract. Well, I think that that was kind of the, the, at least the hope if you have, you know, especially after DeGrom uh, was signed by, by Texas, you know, the hope was you have, you knew you had, um, you knew you would have Scherzer and Verlander at the top of your rotation and obviously McGill is a talented pitcher, so you weren't asking him to be the ace. Yeah. Um, and so what you were hoping is that he would kind of take, I'm going to just, um, I'll bring up um, Verlander's previous team. He would kind of take the Framber Valdez role, which was, you know, for a couple of years, Valdez was behind pitchers like, you know, Grinky or Verlander's, you know, that other, some of the more stable veterans were leading the charge. And when they all left, you know, Valdez's job is to take over the ace role. You know, I guess maybe the Mets thought process was if the, you know, if he can have a couple of years where the pressure is more on two hall of famers, as opposed to him, you know, yeah. you're basically asking to be a solid number four. I think he's right now a pretty solid number four. I think that yeah. most people would be happy to have him as your number four. They're not paying him like a number four, but you know, but you know, the reality is, is that, you know, here, I don't think he's a problem. I just don't think he's anyone expected him to come in, uh, you know, blazing as a superstar. It's not going to happen. I'm going to say so. And I hope this doesn't get me in trouble uh, for saying this. I, 
there is an element that reminded me of Daisuke Matsuzaka mm. when he pitched for the Red Sox. And I wonder if it is something to do with a pitching style in Japan where you're you're pitching away from contact. And if you have very patient hitters and you have a pitcher who's trying to get you to chase, um, it, it. I remember watching Daisuke starts, and I'm, I'm not going to – I think some of them may still be going on from in 2007, 2008. I mean, those are the ones where you're like, you know what? You take a nap, you know, just to just sort of, we're going to be here a while. And yeah. when you were saying about all the walks and then sort of like, you know, the sort of the nibbling around it, um, it kind of reminded me of that. Yeah, I think that that might be a decent comp. And, and we'll say, I mean, if you look at Dice K's career, he was still a, a pretty good pitcher for oh, yeah, a, a yeah. good number of years, you know, but yeah, never quite get the sensation that maybe we thought he was going to be. And I, I think he had that, one great year into the, his second year, 2008, you look, everyone look it up. He had that, he had one really, really good year and he had a fantastic start uh, against Tampa in the league championship series. So for like people will forget that. And some people write, talk about it as if he was a bust. He had one great year. Yeah, well, they thought they were going to get more than one great year, but they got one great year out of Daisuke. So I got to give Daisuke credit where credit is due. Absolutely, and I, I think you know maybe there is that one year coming for Sanga, and it might be next year. I, I think the Mets, you know, they basically have Sanga replacing Chris Bass in this rotation. I think the mm-hmm. thought process was we have more dependability with Justin Verlander than we were getting from Degrom. So let's go for a little more upside um, in that spot instead of maybe a lack of upside. They thought they had in Chris Bassett, and also you know Bassett got sixty three million over three, and Senga got seventy five over five. So maybe they thought it was a better deal as well. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, I, I think Chris Bassett on this team with the struggles that this rotation has had, um, he would have been huge because they just lacked um, that consistency. I think if you know they were getting more from Scherzer and Verlander through this first kind of quarter of the season before the last couple of weeks, um, there would have been less expectation on Sang. And Sang has had a really, he, he was, it was kind of him and McGill, the only two guys that were healthy in this rotation. So I think there was a little more pressure on him to deliver. And maybe as the two aces kind of get out into the forefront a little more, maybe Sanga as you know, your three or your four can, can start to step up a little bit more than we've seen. But overall, like you said, He's been, if you want to call him a four, he's been really solid, and I think he's kind of the three on this team. Um, but I think it's coming along. I think we'll see where we're at in the second half with, with Senga. Yeah. All right, we're here with uh, Ryan Finkelstein of uh, uh, Locked On Mets. I almost said Locked On Rays because I did a Locked On Rays crossover. got to remember which Locked On. You have a big Mets sign hanging behind. Maybe that was, should clue me in a little bit. We're beginning the second third of the season, and I've been – saying this and i said this to um i'm going to say this the next episode with miller thomas i said it yesterday with ulysses sembrano i really i break the the season into three opening day to memorial day is really roughly the first third get a sense of who you are and you know where are the holes and everything like that between memorial day and the trade deadline which i believe is august 1st that's when the GM is earning their money because yeah. that's really the two month stretch where you got to take a look at your team and say, okay, we've had a full third of a season. What do we need to do? Because we, you know, what, what 
tinkering do we need to do? Because you don't panic after one month because a player could be coming under their own or, or someone could come up to a hot start. But with a third of the season, you got a decent idea of what you have and what you need to fix. From my point of view, um, I think that they've found some solutions to some things in-house. I think bringing up Alvarez and having him play regularly, and you, have, you said that you'll bring him to the, the number two spot, uh, Batty. It's it's Batty, right? Yeah, yeah. Today yeah, would be I, can, first, I called him Beatty at first. So I oh, oh so, yeah, no, no, no. No, sorry. It is Beatty. It is. It Beatty. is Beatty. Okay, so I was saying it right, and then I then I then I panicked. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, so but got, we know yeah. Nimmo is a solid hitter. I know that Alonzo has hit two home runs since I've started this sentence. So, um, I think that there's. I think they probably need one more. They definitely need one more arm. I think in their bullpen, uh, and I think trying to find that one more bat to sort of be that spark add one more spark in that lineup because i don't know what you're necessarily going to get about platooning volga back and and fam at this point i think they should try to get one more hitter to kind of give the team a jolt but uh what do you think they should be aiming for going into the this next third of the season i think you know you talk about billy upler this is where he makes his money here he's got to figure out how to complement a young core of rookies that have come up and have really kind of solidified themselves, particularly so far it's been Beatty and Alvarez. I think they've grabbed those starting jobs. Beatty has been great defensively at third, a little bit up and down to bat, but he's shown you enough. And Alvarez, I mean, across the board, especially this month, he's been awesome. The question right now, you have Mark Vientos on the roster. Uh, he got the last couple of starts. He could be the everyday DH. This is a guy that in AAA this year hit mm-hmm. 13 home runs and, really seemed to find something on breaking balls last year. Um, I did a dive on this in my show, but he was not seeing breaking balls at all. He was chasing a bunch. He figured that out. He's not striking out as much. I, I think Vientos could be the guy, but it's about finding how to complement these, these guys. And I think Daniel Vogelback is this player where he draws his walks. You know, you're going to look at an OPS plus or a WRC plus, and you're going to say, Oh, you know, he's a good player and he gets on base at a good clip. But, He's not slugging. <clears throat> he doesn't face left-handed pitching. He doesn't field a position, and he clogs the bases. And he just kind of clogs your roster as well. So I think yeah. they, they got to figure out. I, I would, you know, if they can't move him in a trade, I would DFA him just to open up some more time for some of these other players. They have another prospect who's hitting 350 in AAA and Ronnie Mauricio. Every chance he could come up and be the second baseman, you could see <clears throat> Jeff McNeil in left. So they got to figure some things out. Starling Marte and Mark Cannon in the outfield have not been great this year. Um, you know, Marte, he's in year two of a four-year deal. I think they're going to give him a very long leash to, to try to come around on it. Mark Canna, though, is in the final year of a two-year deal. So it, it's just trying to find the right veterans that are going to complement these young players. You know what you have in Nimmo, McNeil, Alonzo, um, you know, and Lindor, of course. These rookies seem to be good. It's about finding those pieces that, that mesh with them. And I think more than anything, they got to figure out who that fourth starter would be in a playoff rotation. Um, and, and right now it'd be McGill. And I don't think that that's good enough. Jose Quintana could be coming back soon. So it's a matter of seeing when he comes back, what he looks like Carlos Carrasco as well. So it's, I, I think this is a period where they still got a lot of questions to answer, but th- there's plenty of talent to, to find the right answer at some point here. Yeah, and and you know, I mean, you know, I, I, this is a this is a 
different situation than San Diego. Um, San Diego spent a ton of money. The Mets spent a ton of money. The Mets need some adjustments here or there. The Padres have to do some soul searching. Um, And I think the Mets are in a better place. Yes, Atlanta looks, obviously Atlanta is a wonderful team and they're going to be tough to catch, but, you know, they caught the Mets last year. I mean, they're, they're, it is possible. And I've also find it very interesting that it that one of the biggest challenges. Now, I did pick Miami to be a wild card team wow. um, in the beginning of the year uh, because I liked their pitching and I thought a rise was going to be uh, I thought a rise was going to be a, 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 a spark plug. And I didn't, there's a couple of teams I didn't trust, like the Phillies. I didn't trust some some of the teams that were contenders last year. Um, so yeah, I I did pick the Marlins, and the Marlins look pretty good, especially if, yeah. if Solaire keeps hitting like this. Um, and he's been he's been a revelation. But look at I think I don't think the Mets need to make a major move. I I think you and I agree they need a professional hitter in that lineup who may be able to fill a position as well and not be the Daniel Volga back, uh, Steve Balboni type. And um, I think just another arm, you know, and we'll see. I mean, maybe Quintana, maybe Carrasco could develop into that. I don't think you need to make the big, huge Mongo deal. You know, they've made huge Mongo deals. I think they need to make an adjustment here or there. And I think they're going to go a long way. Well, look at Ryan. I think the Mets are going to be good. I just think they need to just make a few adjustments. I I agree. I think that this team is not far off. And the biggest thing, was getting this rotation to a place where there's you know some consistency. Um, that's where they really struggled in that stretch. And now that you have you know Scherzer, I, I was shocked after this start in Colorado. His ERA in the season is three five four, and we were all kind of jumping off a cliff on him two weeks ago. And now he, he's back you know in a pretty decent spot. If Scherzer and Verlander remain healthy for the rest of this season. Um, I'd be pretty surprised if the Mets weren't a playoff team. It's just about finding the right other pieces around them I and mean, around the core that you got. But like you said, it's not far off, and there's so much talent here, particularly with what these rookies have added. Yeah, I, I 100% agree. Well, look at uh, Ryan. Um, you know, this is uh, it should be a fun year, and we're going to definitely have you back on a bunch of times during this year. Uh, I am going to drop our trivia question for today and unlike the previous one i won't miss when someone actually answered it correctly so i'll try to see what i can do here so let's uh, i'm gonna have to this is very carefully worded this is very carefully worded so it is who are oh, I'm, and, and carefully worded but i made a spelling mistake hey how about that sully i made a spelling mistake so hold on um let me let me fix that spelling mistake thank you and let's do it again shall we who no, it didn't save this. Who are the only, not they only, who are the only two players to play in the postseason for two different World Series winning New York franchises? Now, that's the it's, it's phrased that way because only two players played for a World Series winner, actually played in there, didn't ride the bench, did actually played in the postseason for two New York teams. That won the World Series. They could be the Brooklyn Dodgers. It could be the New York Giants. Could be the Yankees. Could be the Mets. What combination? There's a combination of those two 
two franchises who won the World Series, only two players have multiple rings from New York teams. Who are they that actually played in the postseason? Who are they? That's going to be our trivia question. Hopefully I explained it well enough. Did I explain it well enough? I think I kind of did. But one thing we don't have to explain is why it's great to have Ryan Frankenstein on the show. Ryan, tell people where they can listen to your extraordinarily popular podcast that my friend Andre Dubouche listens to, the Emmy-nominated writer for Conan O'Brien, who is a huge Met fan. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, you can find me wherever you listen to Locked on MLB, YouTube, wherever you get your podcasts. You can find me on Twitter at Finkelstein Ryan. Follow the show at Locked on Mets. And you can follow me. Uh, you can follow our show at Locked on MLB Pods on Twitter and on Instagram. I am your pal, Sully. and Sully Baseball on Twitter, Sully Baseball Podcast on Instagram. Breaking down a day of baseball with lots of 11 to 10 games and wondering what's up with the Mets with the always popular Ryan Finkelstein. This has been Locked on MLB I am your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. Boom. All right. By the way, 